You're listening to the podcast of East River Park Christian Church. If you'd like to find out more information about the church or donate to this ministry, please visit us at eastriverpark.church. We pray that this is an encouragement to you as you grow in Christ through the local church. News across the land had spread. Terrible news. News that had left the people in ruin. He was just a child when he came to them, a child full of promise, a child full of hope, a child given to a, a grieving, barren woman, a child to be raised in the temple. And he was everything they said he would be. He was a man of integrity. He was a man of faith. He was a man that, that told the truth, even if it burned. He had anointed two kings, one falling, one rising. He had prophesied hope. He had prophesied death. He had slaughtered the sacrifice. He had loved and served the people, but news had spread across the land. Terrible news. Samuel, the prophet and priest of the Lord, was dead. And all of Israel and all of God's people gathered to grieve and, and pay their respects, and Samuel was buried at his home in Ramah. It's a sign. A sign that the worst was yet to come, a sign that death would arrive for King Saul. A warning sign. Warning signs that <clears throat> were missed all along the way. And friends, these are, these are warning signs that you and I can't miss. So let, let me show you the last 24 hours of the life of King Saul. We'll be in 1 Samuel chapter 28. If you have a digital Bible, I'll read out of the ESV translation. If you have a bulletin, it's all there in the bulletin. But... Before we study the passage together, let's pray together. Father, we um, come before you in humbleness. We have gathered to hear from you, knowing that you and you alone speak through your word and through your word alone. That's why we have come together. Brothers and sisters in Christ, men and women that might be far from you, God, we want to hear what you have to say in 1 Samuel 28, a strange, unusual passage. May you teach us from your word, God, may we not miss these signs. We pray these things in your son's name, amen. Let's start. 1 Samuel chapter 28, <clears throat> I'll start in verse 3. Now Samuel had died, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in Ramah, his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the necromancers out of the land. The Philistines assembled and, and came and encamped at Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel, and they encamped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid. His heart trembled greatly, and Saul inquired of the Lord. The Lord did not answer him. 
either by dreams or by the Urim, by prophets. And Saul said to his servants, Seek out for me a woman who is a medium. They may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there's, there's a medium at Endor. So Saul, he disguised himself. He put on other, or other garments and, and went, and he and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night and said, Divine for me by a spirit, and bring up for me whoever I shall name to you. And the woman said, Surely you know what Saul has done, how he has cut off the mediums and the necromancers from the land. Why are you laying a trap for my life to bring about my death? And Saul swore to her by the Lord. As the Lord lives, no, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. The woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? He said, Bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, Do not be afraid. What do you see? The woman said to Saul, I see a, I see a God coming up from the earth. And he said to her, well, What's his appearance? He said, he's a, It's an old man. Old man is coming up. He's wrapped in a robe. Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he bowed with his face to the ground and paid homage. Verse 15, Samuel said to Saul, why, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Saul answered, I'm, I'm in great distress. The Philistines are, are warring against me. God has turned away from me and answers me no more, either by prophets or by dreams. Therefore, I, shall, or I have summoned you to tell me what I shall do. And Samuel said, well, then why do you ask me? Since the Lord has turned from you and become your enemy, the Lord has done to you as he spoke by me, for the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, David. Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord and did not carry out the fierce wrath against Amalek, therefore the Lord has done this thing to you this day. And then finally, verse 19, we'll stop. Moreover, the Lord will give Israel also with you into the hand of the Philistines. And tomorrow, you and your son shall be with me. The Lord will give the army of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. <clears throat> we are barreling toward the end of the life of King Saul, a life marked with warning after warning after warning that things are not okay. That, that, that he's on a path of destruction, and in his life and in the passage we'll see three warning signs that, that you and I cannot miss today. And to be clear, it's not like if we ignore or miss these signs, God will rob us of our purpose or our blessing. That's not who we are as a church. That's not what this passage is about. To miss these signs means to miss salvation. To miss these signs means to miss eternal life. It means that much. It will cost you that much. So three warning signs you can't miss. If you're a note taker, let me give you the three. Here's point one. Obedience is more than a one-time transaction. Obedience is more than a one-time transaction. Verse three 
Samuel has died. All of, his, of Israel has gathered to mourn his death, buried in his home at Ramah. But what the second half of verse 3 says, it grabs our attention, sets the pace for the rest of the story. It says, And Saul had put out the mediums and the necromancers from the land. So let's just state, up, state this right up front. You know, good call, Saul. After all the hating that, that we've seemed to do on this guy, he, he wasn't a monster. He did some right things over his time as, as king. And one specifically is that he banished every medium and necromancer from the land. What are those? Well, they are individuals that use the occult practices to interact with the spiritual world, even to a point of contacting the dead. All right, so I'll show my cards um, right up front, and people might not agree with me on this one, but that's all right. Um, <clears throat> I like what is called uh, the, the fantasy genre of, of books and movies, um, a genre full of, of wizards and special powers and and yeah, uh, you can call me a nerd, but I have read all of the Lord of the Rings books, owned too many copies of the movies, um, and yes, I, I read plenty of, of books about made-up worlds with made-up heroes and made-up powers, and yet we're confronted with the word this morning. And the reality is, is that there's not like good occult and bad occult. That's not the way the Bible defines these, thing, these things. Let me give you some verses. Leviticus 19, 31. Do not turn to mediums or necromancers. Do not seek them out. And so make yourselves unclean by them. I am the Lord your God. Leviticus 20, verse 6. If a person turns to mediums and necromancers, whoring after them, I will set my face against that person and will cut him off from among his people. And then Leviticus 20, verse 27. A man or woman who is a medium or a necromancer shall surely be put to death. They shall be stoned with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. That doesn't mean that we're advocating for, for some new Salem witch trials, but it does mean that we don't ignore the sin that is present. So I, I'm telling myself this and others right up front, we need to be very careful that we're not celebrating necromancers and mediums that we I need to ask myself am I seeking out information or spiritual contact through means outside of God's word and the Holy Spirit for myself I can confidently say that I'm not concerning these things but that does not mean we should not take these things that we should take these things lightly so again, you know, hats off to Saul in verse 3. Rightly obeyed the Torah, kicked these people out of Israel. But this is not a message on witchcraft and wizardry. This is a, a message about a man's heart that reveals our heart because verses 4 through 7, man, it takes a turn real quick. The Philistines came and encamped at Shunem, a town about 75 miles northeast of Gath and Israel gathered opposite of uh, at Galboa. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do a map. All right, um, 
we've got a map. Truth be told, I was putting these slides together and my iPad would not, it would not let me put the map in. And I think my iPad was on your side. It was like, no more maps. But I finally conquered, we got it in there. So you can see um, Mount Gilboa and then Shunem just up northwest of that. So, and as Saul, he stands to gaze across the landscape and his heart, again, is rocked with fear at the sight of the enemy. The text says that his heart trembled greatly. So who does he turn to? Who can he call for help? Well, would the Lord hear him? Oh, he tried. The Lord was silent. No dream gave an answer. No Urim, if you remember that cool device that the Lord would use to give us a response because David had that device. No prophet answered. Samuel was dead. And so after being obedient to God's word, in verse 3, Saul decides to go against God's word in verse 7. And Saul says to his servants, find me a medium that I may go ask her what to do. And the servants, at least in my opinion, apply a little too quickly. There's a medium in indoor. Here's the warning sign Saul missed all throughout this book. Here's the warning sign he missed even in this narrative. Obedience is more than just one-time transaction. Saul thought that he was good with the Lord if he just obeyed God on his terms and not God's terms. And how easily I think we all fall into that trap where we're only obedient when it's convenient, only obedient when we personally benefit from it in the moment, but to follow the Lord is more than just a good decision when it's easy or it's comfortable. To follow the Lord is to give your life to the Lord. That, that's what Saul missed. It's, it's obedience to God at your work, with your family, with your friends, at school, when no one's around. It, it's obedience out of an overflow of your love for the Lord, a love that Saul did not have. Jesus' own words in John 14, verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Verse 15, if you love me, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I'll ask the Father, he'll give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and, you will, and will be in you. Don't miss the warning sign. God desires holiness. God desires perfection. God desires righteousness. It's Sinclair Ferguson. He said this, if you desire anything less for yourself, if you desire anything less for yourself other than absolute obedience to God, a life of total devotion to the Lord, a life of absolute sinlessness, if you desire anything less than that, you are fighting against God's desire for you. Don't miss the warning sign. 
Obedience is more than a one-time transaction. It's a lifetime. God desires perfection. But you know, you ain't perfect, right? <laughs> so point to. Second warning sign, repentance is the fruit that is required. It's repentance. So wrapped up in a disguise, Saul heads to Endor in verse 8, under the cover of darkness. He enters the room of the haunting medium, a place he should not be, a place of wickedness. Divine for me a spirit. Bring up for me whomever I shall name to you. Because if the Lord's not going to answer him, someone better answer Saul. So the lady responds, like, don't, don't you know, Saul, cut us off from the land? Why are, you, why are you trying to lay a trap for me to bring about my death? Now, whether the medium had any powers or not, I don't know. But she could at least sniff out that something smelled fishy in this situation. And Saul reassured her. In fact, Saul, in the text, he swore to the Lord that nothing bad would happen to her, a promise that he's made to David that he's failed to keep. Who should I bring up? Bring up Samuel. And immediately the woman shrieked in horror. The woman saw Samuel rise from the dirt. She knew this was a trap. She knew this wasn't a stranger in her home. It was King Saul come to end her life. And again, he reassured her, it's going to be all right. You'll be safe. What do you see? I see a, I see a God coming up out of the earth. And his appearance? What's he look like? He's, a, he's an old man. Wrapped in a robe. The robe Saul tore from Samuel back in 1 Samuel 15. It was him. It was really Samuel. All right. Which begs the question. Did this medium really bring Samuel back from the dead? And actually, could, could a medium today do that in your life? Could you contact someone you love that has died? And I'll just say this. This is not a demon in this story. It really was Samuel. And for whatever reason, God used this situation to let Samuel give one final warning to Saul from the grave. So regardless of what the answer is, I think it's clear it's something you shouldn't seek out. And I think it's clear as we'll see, the message from the grave is not a message you want to receive. But yeah, there he was. A shocked medium, a shocked Saul that will fall on his face in fear. Samuel has returned. And like something from a movie, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? It's my best ghost voice. I think I can come up with I don't know. <laughs> I'm just really like Norm. Um, Oh, Samuel, thank God you're here. I'm in trouble. Philistines are after me again. God won't answer me. Why do you ask me, Saul? 
The Lord has turned from you. I, I told you this. He has become your enemy. The kingdom has been torn from you, given to David. You didn't obey God by destroying the Amalekites. So as I've said, when I was alive, it's over, Saul. And I have to think, as I read through 1 Samuel, like, what's wrong with Saul? What's going on in Saul's heart that's driven him to this point? Ignoring God's word? Slaughtering priests? Trying to kill David? Visiting a medium? What warning sign did Saul miss in this book? And it's clear that Saul never had a moment of genuine repentance. Oh, yeah, he's, he's always sorry when he gets caught. He's always upset when he's punished, always says, I'm going to do the right thing from now on. But repentance, a genuine submission of his heart to the Lord, absent from his life. So I'm very concerned that many people that claim to be Christians live in that pattern. You feel bad when you get caught. You're upset when life doesn't work out how you thought. Tell everyone you're going to do the right thing from now on. But repentance, it's absent. Saul never grieves over his own sin before the Holy God. He's just upset it didn't work out. A.W. Pink, he said, it's not the absence of sin, but the grieving over it, which distinguishes the child of God from empty professors. So what a serious warning sign for us today, that the fruit in your life is rooted in your repentance before the Lord. It's literally the warning of John the Baptist before the religious leaders. In Matthew 3, 7 through 10, it says, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Yeah, don't, don't presume to say to yourselves, well, we have Abraham as, a, as our father. A warning I think a lot of us need to hear today. I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children from Abraham. And even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down, thrown into the fire. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Yes, I'll miss that one. And if you and I miss that one, you're not going to like the last thing Samuel says in verse 19. The Lord will give Israel... And also with you into the hand of the Philistines. And tomorrow, Saul, tomorrow you and your sons will join me in the grave. Three warning signs you can't miss. Let me give you your last one. Uh, sin is the offense that leads to death. In less than 24 hours, Saul and his sons will be dead. Sorry, to spoil next week's message, but that's what's going to happen. Um, so yeah, you, you, can't take the, you can take the prophet out of the world, but you just can't take the prophecy out of the prophet. What Samuel said will come true. Saul and his sons will be dead in the next 24 hours. Saul filled with fear and 
If you have a physical or a digital Bible, you can see his response in verses uh, 20 through 25. His response, obviously, it's, it's fear and dread. And I can promise you again, it wasn't repentance. You don't see that in verses 20 through 25. You see Saul, in his sorrow, eat his last meal with a medium and indoor. Death awaits. Good thing we aren't Saul, right? I don't know about you. Um, I have not lived a perfect life. And I know the Lord desires perfection. But there are things in my life uh, I, I deeply regret. And there's times I do things I don't want to do. And there's times I, I say things and I'm like, I don't want to say that. But man, at least I'm not Saul. I, you know, I don't think any of us, we didn't slaughter the priests of the Lord. Killing women and children didn't conjure up a dead man in indoor. Well, good thing we aren't Saul. Just don't miss the last warning sign. Sin is the offense that leads to death. And the same sin that took Saul and his boys to the grave is the same sin that will take you and I to the grave. So out of all the warning signs, let me give you uh, some better signs to look at. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 5.12, therefore just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, sin is, is not just something that messes your life up. Sin is not just something that, like, man, it ruined my, my dreams for the future. Sin is not just something that causes problems in the, in the now. That's all Saul assumed his sin was. It was a stumbling block to everything that he wanted for his future. Friends, sin before the Holy God is a death sentence, always. So unless something changes in our heart, you can apply the prophecy of Samuel to your life too. The price of sin is death, always. Which is why a greater king than Saul showed up. Which is why a greater king than David showed up. The King Jesus has arrived to take the price of sin on himself to die on our behalf, and to rise from the dead. The very clear verse in Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you are in Christ this morning, yeah, death is not your future prophecy. Don't miss the warning signs. Live a life of obedience. Live a life of repentance. Live a life with a heart that's submitted to Christ. Saul was condemned. You just don't have to be. 
the very clear point, give you the summary point, and I'll pray. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. God, we do want to be incredibly aware of the truth of, of your word. That you desire a lifetime of obedience. That repentance is not left for just one decision that happened at VBS when we were a child. To bear fruit in keeping with repentance. for all of the grave warning signs of the passage that sin always takes us to the grave. God, we, we've gathered not for that bad news. We gather because Christ Jesus went to the grave for us. That if we are in Christ, there is no future prophecy of death for us. If we are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. So I pray that we would ask ourselves if we are really in Christ. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.